Welcome listeners to Snippet Sports Science Podcast, sponsored by EliteForum.com and supported by listeners like you on the crowdfunding platform Patreon. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please consider helping to support us on Patreon.com slash Snippet Science. I'm your host, Jared Coleman-Stark, and I hope you've been enjoying the coffee series that we bring here because we'll be continuing it with either part three or part four, depending on how you look at it, or including Snippet 35, Caffeine with Olympian Craig Pickering, which I highly recommend everyone go check out, Snippet 35. Chris did an excellent interview with Craig in Snippet 35, so go ahead and have a listen with that after this one or before if you prefer. Today we'll be looking at the article Association of Coffee Drinking with Mortality by Genetic Variation in Caffeine Metabolism. So one of the things that Craig and Chris talked a lot about in that interview was the inter-individual variability and that because of genetic variation, people will be having different responses to caffeine. And that was part of Craig's personal journey that he shared with us. Craig found that he was much more responsive to caffeine than most other athletes and so he would be able to have his maximum performance on a much lower dose of caffeine than others whereas if he took the recommended doses that were quite high and recommended to other athletes they could actually see his performance suffer because for him as an individual it was too high of a dose so we've looked at these two umbrella reviews that have recommended four to five cups of coffee or three to four cups of coffee respectively for the for the best health outcomes of anyone in general. But of course there is inter-individual variation and so it should be taken into account. This is an exceptional article to address those considerations from Walt Fields and colleagues published in 2018. So this was published after both of those umbrella reviews. Both of those umbrella reviews were published in 2017. And so this study was not included in those umbrella reviews as well. Of course, this is an actual individual study. It's not a meta-analysis. So whereas those umbrella reviews were taking into account hundreds of meta-analyses, this study wouldn't have been directly included, but it could have been included in another meta-analysis that was then incorporated into the umbrella review. However, don't think that that means that this is a small study by any regard. This is based on the UK Biobank, which is a population-based study that invited approximately 9.2 million individuals from across the United Kingdom. So this is a massive study. Obviously not all 9-point individuals participate, but this is one of the largest studies that is conducted. And overall, they were able to include about half a million participants in the study that we're covering today. For this study, they had a follow-up beginning in 2006 and ending in 2016 to estimate hazard ratios for coffee intake and mortality. They investigated the potential effect modification by caffeine metabolism defined by a genetic score of previously identified polymorphisms in AHR, CYP1A2, CYP2A6, and PO4 that had previously been shown to have an effect on caffeine metabolism. So this is how we're going to be looking at that inter-athlete or inter-individual variability between between responses is that these are polymorphisms, these are genetic differences that have been identified to have an effect on caffeine metabolism and therefore on what sort of association there will be between coffee drinking and mortality. Of the 502,000 participants who consented with baseline data, the researchers included those who were not pregnant. As we saw in the umbrella reviews, pregnancy is 
a very good exclusion criteria for coffee because those are where we tend to see the most negative outcomes from coffee are in pregnancy and you sh and researchers in my opinion and i think supported by research researchers should be excluding any pregnant women from coffee or caffeine research and so they excluded those who are pregnant and those who did not have a complete data on their coffee intake and smoking status this gave them an n equal to 498,134 participants. The mean age of these participants was 57 years, with a range of 38 to 73 years. 54% were female, that's 271,000 people. 78% of these were coffee drinkers, obviously a spectrum of coffee drinkers, but that means that we have 22% non-coffee drinkers as our baseline to compare different levels of coffee drinking to. Over the 10 years of follow-up, 14,000 deaths occurred. And overall, coffee drinking was inversely associated with all-cause mortality. More coffee, less mortality. Using non-coffee drinkers as the reference group, meaning zero cups per day is equal to a risk of 1.00, we see that for those who were drinking less than one cup of coffee per day, so that's greater than zero but less than one, there was a relative risk of 0.94. For drinking one cup of coffee per day on average, the risk was 0.92. For the two to three bracket, that's 0.88. For the four to five cups per day, again, 0.88. Then for six to seven cups of coffee per day, the risk was 0.84. And finally, for the highest category of drinking eight or more cups per day, there was a risk of 0.86 for mortality, still quite low. There were similar associations observed for instant ground and decaffeinated coffee across common causes of death and regardless of the genetic caffeine metabolism score. So regardless of that individualization, coffee did benefit mortality outcome. Looking across those different genetic caffeine metabolism scores, the hazard ratios for six or more cups a day ranged from 0.7 up to 0.92. So still, for even the quote-unquote worst caffeine metabolism score, the hazard ratio for consuming six or more cups of coffee is still an 8% decrease hazard ratio, with no evidence of effect modification across strata of caffeine metabolism score, with a p-value to 0.17 for heterogeneity. Overall, coffee drinking was inversely associated with mortality, including among those drinking eight or more cups per day, and those with genetic polymorphisms indicating slower or faster caffeine metabolism. This shows the importance of non-caffeine constituents in the coffee mortality association, and provides further reassurance that coffee drinking can be part of a healthy diet. So these researchers started with the question of moderate coffee consumption has been inversely associated with mortality. However, does heavy take, particularly among those with common genetic polymorphisms that impair caffeine metabolism, increase risk of mortality? And what they found in this large prospective cohort study of half a million people, that there was an inverse association for coffee drinking with mortality, including among participants drinking one up to eight or more cups per day. No differences were observed in analyses that were stratified by genetic polymorphisms affecting caffeine metabolism. This means that this study provides further evidence that coffee drinking can be part of a healthy diet and offers reassurance to coffee drinkers. As we saw in the umbrella reviews, there were multiple significant causes of death trends, 
It wasn't just that coffee drinking was inversely associated with mortality of all causes, uh, which the researchers did look at age and sex adjustments for, but they also found that for the multivariable adjusted all cause, they took into account smoking, race or ethnicity, alcohol, general health status, education level, body mass index, physical activity, as well as tea intake. They didn't find these significant trends just for all-cause mortality, however. They also found significance for all cancer, female breast cancer, all cardiovascular disease, and stroke. As usual, there's some pretty great figures in here, so go ahead and open up the article. But one of the ones that I wanted to highlight was they had a table with decaffeinated versus ground versus instant coffee. And I just had a little bit of a look at that data as well. And it does appear that ground coffee has better hazard ratios in relation to decaffeinated or instant coffee. Uh, what we find is that for not only all cause mortality, but also all cancer and all cardiovascular disease with the lowest hazard ratio of 0.74 at greater than or equal to six cups per day. So they have the analysis slightly different with this one where they, where they cut it off at greater or equal to six cups a day rather than look all the way up eight or greater cups per day. We have some takeaways from this. In the very large UK biobank cohort, coffee drinking was associated inversely with all-cause mortality, including those drinking at least eight cups per day in both slow and fast metabolizers of caffeine and in consumers of ground instant decaffeinated coffee. These results are based off of observational data, as most of the umbrella re reviews were as well, and should be interpreted with caution. Nevertheless, these results provide further evidence that coffee drinking can be part of a healthy diet and may provide reassurance to those who drink coffee. And as usual, I also did my own little extrapolation of the data here. And so of course, take this with a grain of salt, but uh, pulling a second order polynomial to the data that they had for their dose of cups per day versus the hazard ratios, it appeared that at greater than or equal to 13 cups a day, you would have the equivalent of drinking no coffee per day, or if you want to do a linear extrapolation based off just those two last data points where there was finally that little uptick in hazard ratio, then you would need to be consuming 22 and a half cups of coffee, similar to the umbrella review from the data here. Although of course we don't have much data at greater than eight cups per day, it would appear that you would have to be an incredible amount of coffee for coffee to actually adversely affect your all cause mortality. Alright, that's my final note on associations of coffee drinking with mortality by genetic variation in caffeine metabolism by Lawfield and colleagues. This has been Jared Coleman-Stark. Snippet is sponsored by EliteForm.com and supported by listeners like you on the crowdfunding platform Patreon.com slash SnippetScience. Please consider supporting us. And tune in next week because we will finally be going into actual exercise. Now that we've established the general health pattern of coffee consumption on consumers that three to four or four to five cups per day. And now with this giant UK biobank study, we have a bit of background on what is the general health outcomes of caffeine. Now we're going to be looking at an umbrella review, specifically looking at the effects of caffeine on exercise. Stay tuned for the final part of the theme.